What's up, y'all? It's Sea uh, Life and K Web here at Masterminds Podcast, and we are ready to have a very engaging and empowering, and maybe even some debate worth of a discussion. Um, so you probably all have seen um, this preacher being robbed in church. It went viral. You know, there's been tons of people to make comments about it. And there's been tons of people to, you know, dialogue about it. It's been on CNN, on major news outlets. So we're going to talk about this situation with, um, I believe his name is Bishop Lamore Whitehead and what's going on with that and try to bring some um, new and exciting ways in understanding and discernment and looking at this situation. So before we get too deep, though, before we get too deep in it, make sure that you like, share, subscribe for more content. Uh, the Masterminds podcast help us get out there, and we'll keep doing this that we do. But go ahead, please do that. Please like, share, subscribe. Uh, it really helps us out and encourages us to continue to make content for you. Um, so yeah, let's kind of dive right in. Um, the story is unfolding. Uh, so, you know, there's many different articles about it. I'm I'm going to try to give some kind of broad, basic facts um, about the situation. Well, this is in New York City. And allegedly, Bishop Lamore Miller Whitehead was robbed him and his wife of more than according to the guardian one million dollars worth of jewelry a million dollars of jewelry no no, more than i don't know how much more than but they definitely put in the article more than a hundred million dollars worth of jewelry during the online sermon how do uh, you wear a million, more than a million dollars worth of jewelry? Well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he had on a half a mil and his wife had the other half a mil on. But that's still a lot. Of, it's either a lot of jewelry or very expensive jewelry. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had diamonds in there, so that could be. I mean, maybe he would. He had the pastor drip on. He was dripping. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, even if you look at at you know some of the articles, I mean, they got him in nice clothes with jewelry on, you know, being interviewed and things like that. Um, but journalists have kind of painted him in this picture of a Rolls Royce driving preacher who actually known, called, right? Yeah, flashy, flamboyant. Um, he's friends with like uh, Mayor Eric Adams. Yeah. And all of this stuff. Let me ask you this. Um, Because we hear, I've heard stories, I'm sure you have, about these prosperity gospel preachers. Would this fit in that category or do you think this is something different? Well, see, I don't don't know much about the sort of preaching that he does. Right? So I don't know if he's a prosperity gospel preacher. Or he just happens to... To be favored by the Lord. 
Well, I'm, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna say favorite by the Lord. I don't know what he's into. I don't know, you know, how he's made his money. Hmm. Uh, I know that it's easy for for journalists and for people to kind of suggest that because he's a preacher, he made his money off preaching. But I don't know that. Right. And because I don't really know the content of his sermons per se, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's kind of a prosperity gospel preacher. But I do know that he's not very modest, that he's known for being flamboyant. And from kind of the details of the robbery, at least one of the thieves knew that he may have been wearing more jewelry because they patted him down with a gun to his back as he lied on the floor. So um, it seems like this was a targeted situation, right? They're not going in and taking cash from everybody's money. Uh, Yeah, they're not, you know, kind of fleecing the flock, if you Mm. would. Uh, Perhaps his preaching does that good enough, (laughs) but we don't know. I don't know. I'm not, maybe some of you know, but I don't know. I don't know what his preaching is like. What I do know is that there are some things going around online about whether or not this is a real situation. Now, with that being said, what do you think about that? What What do you think about a sort of proposition that suggests that he is making this up? I mean, so... Reading the story, um, there, there, there. I, I got some questions. There's some questions that come to mind, right? Um, three um, masked men, armed with guns, came in, went straight to him, went to his wife. Nobody else. Yeah. If I'm committing a robbery. I, I I recognize that I'm risking my freedom. I'm risking my life. So, okay, I see this flashy guy here or whatever, but also whoever's in the congregation, they got stuff too. Presumably. That's true. Presumably, yeah. And I guess, okay, let me try to play both sides of this. I know where the big money is, or the big high value is. It's on and his jewelry and stuff, so I'm going to go hit him. But also, I'm already in there, and it's three of us. And and in the in the reports that I was reading, there were about twenty or twenty five people in the congregation. So you can easily pat them down while you're getting him too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. I. So I mean, but it could be potentially to send him a message. What What's that message? To stop being so flashy. Or you're not a part of us the way that you're presenting yourself, I mean, Rolls Royces in the projects, if that's true, that he's kind of flamboyant and flashy, and he has all this stuff that even his parishioners don't have, right? If there's a large gap between what he's, the revenue he seems to be bringing in and the uh-huh. lifestyle of his parishioners, there could be, be this some disgruntled uh, people in the community that, that really just don't like him. <laughs> if we get to this live that he was on, I can see why that might be. Um, but so I want to address that part, the 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 gap, the discrepancy between what he appears to have and what the parishioners may or may not have. 
And I'll frame it by saying this. Um, when I first um, really started my ministerial training, um, mm -hmm. one of the first things that my one of my brothers said to me was, don't be like those pastors who got big houses, a couple houses and a lot of cars and your parishioners are poor. And I, I said, okay, I understand where that comes from, but what if the parishioners um, are choosing things that keep them in the situation that they're in? Should the pastor or the preacher be punished because the flock isn't following? And then I also let them know, hey, you know what? There are some of these big, famous pastors and preachers that you see. Their money isn't necessarily coming from the church. It's coming yeah. from other things. Mm -hmm. And so that that notion that, hey, you're robbing the church, you're stealing from the church if you have this stuff and your folks don't, I that had to dispel that myth because there are sometimes hard-headed people in your congregation that won't listen to what you have to say. And should you be bound by their uh, stubbornness? Well, see, you know, if I'm being honest, I don't necessarily have a problem with preachers who are either, I mean, let's just put things in perspective, even yeah. though this is not the case for him. If you pastor a church where you have um, upwards of a thousand people showing up every Sunday, mm -hmm. okay, and the people that you're preaching to are middle to upper middle class, obviously you're pay scale is going to be very different okay if i'm pastoring people that are driving mercedes benz and teslas and bmws their generosity and their giving is going to afford a certain sort of pay scale as well as demand when you, you're pastoring upwards of a thousand people you're gonna have certain demands as a pastor okay right. so i don't have a problem with uh, pastors having pay scales that are comparable to their parishioners. I do have a problem with pastors' pay scales uh, as far as what they're receiving from the church going beyond even the top salary in the church. Okay, I do that, that becomes dangerous. The reason why it becomes dangerous is, is twofold. One, you run the risk of this being a problem of people thinking that you're stealing money or taking money, but then also you run the risk of not really being relatable to the lifestyle of your parishioners. Now, moving beyond that, um, some pastors are making money from other sources. If I'm selling books and I'm writing books and I have blogs and I have, you know, different conferences and I'm, preaching in revivals and I have streams of revenue coming from different places, my revenue is not contingent uh, whether positive or negative on what comes in through the church. Now, the other thing with that is modesty. Mm. Right? A lot of times when we hear this term modesty, we think of uh, if you're patriarchal, you think of Women being dress. covered up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if if you're not, maybe you think of uh, 
homeliness, right? So modesty would suggest that you the dollar amount that you spend on something that you're wearing. But that may not be the case. Modest, for example, would be a dark color suit. Now that dark color suit could be very expensive. Yeah. You could pay $2,000 for a black suit. Right? So, but what you, the thing is, when you see me wearing this black suit, you're not going to know where I pay for it. When I'm wearing things that have Gucci, Fendi, uh, Christian Louboutin, I'm wearing these status symbols, Rolex. I'm, I'm signaling to Rolls Royce. I'm signaling to my community something about the money that I make. The Rolls, a Rolls Royce isn't even like, I mean, it's a decent car, but there are other cars that are better than Rolls Royces. Okay? Um, so, realistically, as far as price is concerned, you can buy a car that's manufactured by something that's not Maybach or Rolls Royce and end up paying a comparable yeah. price yeah. to a baseline Rolls Royce model. Right? So, Obviously, if you go up in the models, you net if you, the top Rolls Royce is not going to be <laughs> like anything like what you're another car. Right. Yeah, but if you're if you're buying a baseline Rolls Royce, you could probably have a souped up car from another maker. So my point is that this is social signaling that you're doing. Okay. And with the social signals, you're wanting people to know that you have a lot of money. And the question becomes, you know, whether whether or not that that is Christ-like or holy, right? Is it Christ-like for you to be signaling this way and flaunting your money? Also, could you probably is it is it a display of proper stewardship for you to be spending two thousand dollars on a pair of shoes? What else could be done with that money? Now, these are questions that when it comes to a businessman or a rapper or a baseball no, player or football player, you don't ask. You know why? Because they did not choose to be considered or classified as a spiritual leader. You did as a preacher, pastor, bishop, whatever you want to call yourself. So you will be judged based on the life that you chose. And it looks both in and out the church sort of hypocritical for you to be preaching a gospel that's talking about caring for the poor and you're you're exceeding abundance right this is this abundance is eating premium meals for every meal that's abundance having multiple suits to wear multiple cars to drive that's abundance even if those cars are just a honda a toyota and a ford you got three. You got cars to choose from. That's abundance. Let me wait, wait, wait. Let me challenge that. Challenge um, me, man. And and it's 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 a challenge that's gonna say that I think you're being too modest with this because the fact you said premium oh, meals for every meal. Yeah. The fact that you have regular a meals meal. that in this you know society and economy that's abundance. Just the fact that you can eat when you choose to, when you want to. The premium part makes it exceeding abundance, I think. 
That's a, so that's that's my point. So if obviously if you can do this, if you got Rolls Royce, if you got over a million dollars of jewelry, jewelry that means jewelry. Okay, if according to you, you own a block, there's other stuff that you could be doing with your money that's not social signaling because that's what it is. And but he said you don't know what he's doing with his money though. He didn't. I say. know. I know. That if you're if you have over a hundred million dollars worth of jewelry, then over a hundred million dollars was used for something that may be considered poor stewardship. That's all I'm mm. saying. Mm. Yeah. That's and... all I'm saying. What could you have what could you have done with that oh do you really over a million dollars worth of jewelry? Really? Do you need that? For what? It's an investment. Is it though? It's an investment in my I mean, brand. How many people like how many people I melt I don't know sell their jewelry or melt it down or something like that? I when you buy jewelry, your you, jewelry is used to adorn yourself. That's a fact. Mm. Okay. In a world where now people literally sell rubber wedding bands <laughs> let that sink in like there's a whole company devoted to selling rubber wedding bands do you really need over a hundred million dollars worth of jewelry now i'm not i can't judge what you need all i'm saying is that because you're in the public eye and because you present yourself as a spiritual leader you will be judged yeah people are going to make uh thoughts the fact of the matter is, I, I think there will be less people questioning whether or not this was true if he wasn't a preacher. Say that again? If he wasn't a preacher, if he was something else, mm -hmm. like if he was a rapper in a club, then people would. Or if he was a football player in a restaurant, I think people will be less likely. And I think there will still be some be like, you know, given the, the information. <laughs> but they will be less likely to suggest that the whole image of him being a preacher, him being flamboyant, um, adds to the suspicion of foul play. Hmm. Because the suspicion of foul play begins with him just being a flamboyant preacher. And I didn't even go into what his doctrine of preaching is or whether or not he's preaching a prosperity gospel. If he's preaching a prosperity gospel, it just is added on to. Hmm. So I've there there have been. I'm sure most churches, people steal stuff, small things, money, you know, stuff. I don't know that I've heard of something like this before. Have, have you heard of someone storming? A I know about Charleston and, and the, the guy in Ch South Carolina who shot up the folks at the Bible school. Yeah. Um, any other situations like this that you can think of? Like I said, I, I mean, I really think that, and this is, if, if you give both him and the media that's been around him the benefit of the doubt and say that this is abs this absolutely happened as as been as was witnessed uh, and as was verified by him 
you have to say it's a target. It's a targeted. They are they consider robbing him worth more than just fleecing all the people for their money. They went in to get whatever he had for whatever reason. Mm. Right? So that this notion of it being at church is really like I don't know. I, I think I think that might be like a sort of a Americanism, like a sort of American civil religion, like this kind of political niceness as to the church thing being in there. But if you look at it just really blatantly, this is we know he's going to be here because he's a preacher. Yeah. We know while he's here during this time, he's going to be the most vulnerable. He's not around security. He's not sitting in the seat. He's standing right in the front of the church. And because he's standing right in the front of the church, the people watching him uh, kind of help for him not to move or do anything wild. So we go in and we see, we, we go in and we show the guns. He's going to respond to the guns because yeah. he's in the front of the church. Now, right? We... So in the, in the street, it might have been something else. If they ran up on him in the street, I mean, because yeah, he's he's got a record. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he might be known in his community, like, yo, if you run up on him in the streets, you liable to get, you know, eleven I mean... years worth of prison. <laughs> but <laughs> my boy is in jail for eleven years, so he probably can, you know, he can he can hold his own. He could probably hold his own. At least he's not gonna be completely scared if he's if he sees a gun or if he's being robbed. But then also holding a gun to a child. You you point a, a gun at anyone, that's a uh the height of threat. You point a gun at a child, you're not robbing the child. The child's not gonna move. You're sending a message. That's what. That's how I understand that. Mm. What What reason would you have for pointing a gun at someone who is immobile, who can't move on their own? Right. You're sending yeah. a message. You're gonna do what I want you to do, or else. or the most vulnerable will be taken from you. Yeah. So in that in that scenario where he's in the front. They come in with the guns. He lays down. Um, would you say that that was an example of Acts 20 and 28 that we were talking about before we came on, him protecting the flock? No, no, I don't. Tell me, tell me why you say no. Uh, well, here's the thing. And I, I think this has happened... In inner city communities for, for a very long time, where these inner city communities are close to gun violence, right? They know they may know people that have been shot down in the street, know people that are involved with gang violence, know people that are really in the streets and they're really about their life, okay? 
And that draws on the emotional elements of political pimps to suggest that why are you going to the inner cities with this whole put down your guns thing, we need gun reform, when the majority of the people that are using guns in one of the most restricted places to get a gun are criminals? Why are you doing that? Why in these same communities aren't there more police? You know why there are more more police? Because we feel and we've seen that these police officers are just as much of a threat as some of the people that you're saying are committing these crimes. So we don't trust the police either. But why do this in the vulnerable communities? Where are the guns coming from? There are no gun shops. It's illegal for you to have a gun in this place. So where are they coming from? Outside. Right? So, so you're gonna you're gonna press the you're gonna press the everyday American citizen to be so afraid of guns and unaware of how guns work, don't have access to them. Where are the guns coming from? That's a question that needs to be answered. How are the guns getting pushed in the community to where 14, 15, 16, 17 years olds have easy access to weapons? While you're telling people who may try to go through the legal precautions to get a weapon, you're making them jump through months of hoops. Should they be trained? Absolutely. If you have a weapon, you should be trained on how to use it. You should not be able to have a weapon that you are not trained to use. Should it maybe certain parameters around the sorts of weapons that you can own and that you can have? Absolutely. There should be. But if I'm a pastor in the inner city, especially given the climate of what's going on, given the fact that my people will be coming to church and giving over their money, funds, offering. Okay, people will be coming to my church who are the height the height of vulnerability. How many people go into the church that are vulnerable? A lot. We actually invite them. Come, all you weak, all you haven't laid in. I am these curious people don't need to be protected. With this. Do these people need to be protected? When I go to church in North Carolina, I'm in North Carolina. When I go to a white church, predominantly white, there are, are police directing traffic. Those just, but that's... There are, hold on, hold on. I'm not done. I was sitting in church. It was a police officer in uniform in the vestibule. Now, obviously... Most of these people are not going to feel alarmed that there is a police because they don't, you know, they have a different experience with the police. Okay. But my point is when, how many situations do we need before people say, hey, look, I recognize all of the cautions that come with gun ownership. Mm hmm. But you are not protecting our communities. You're just not. Kids are... I, I, the first funeral that I ever preached 
was while I was an interim pastor at a church, and there was a 14-year-old killed in broad daylight on camera, and there were zero suspects on his way home from school. Are you kidding? Zero says, and there was all these police officers at the funeral talking about, we need to put the guns down, and we need to stop the violence. All of your talk is not working. How are these kids getting these guns? Why is it okay for a kid who's 14 to be gunned down in the middle of the street on his way home from school? And at the same time, you're telling vulnerable communities, hey, you know, you know we'll protect you, but you won't. Charleston shows that you won't protect us. But then also, are we forgetting that a 911 operator hung the phone up during a live shooting? Are we forgetting that? You're not protecting us. You can't protect us. This is another example. Regardless of what whatever he's preaching, regardless of whether the doctrine is good, these are people who... As far as we know, we're not forced to be in this place of worship and are trying to worship as they understand what that means. All of them were violated. We don't know the traumas that will come from it. We don't know whether they have access to the source of help that they would need after being in a church and being robbed at gunpoint. And one might say, well, you know, maybe some of these people seen guns, but that's part of the problem, too. If you've been robbed at gunpoint in the inner city of New York, then obviously some of these legal political pimps, their tactics aren't working. You telling me that there should be, you telling me that we can have access to guns while not sanctioning gun manufacturers so there won't be as many guns on the street doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. Hmm. What say you? What say you? Um, I I hmm. I have I have several competing thoughts. First one that I'll lay out is it it sounds like you may be advocating for arming people in the church. Yep, that's what I'm advocating. Arming people specifically in the black church. Yes. Armed and trained. Yes, I am. Armed and trained. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can name a number of different threats as to why. Not only because, not only for the surrounding communities that these churches are in and situations like this has happened, but I can tell you one thing. Homeboy and, and any white supremacist racist does not care what any of the things that you put in. Yeah, Yeah. they don't care about your gun laws. They know how to get guns. They know how to use them. And just your response time says, I can't trust you. Too many people are going to be dead before you even show up. And when I call you, you might even hang up because I'm not speaking loud enough during an armed, uh, a hostile situation. That's why I think think guarding guarding the flock comes in. Or or in the case of Uvalde, well, you'll be on scene, but you won't actually do anything for a couple of hours. Um, I I also agree with you about the, what'd you call them? Political pimps. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're talking about needing to not get rid of the, needing to get rid of the guns, but not sanctioning the gun manufacturers. 
Um, that seems to go on towards the political and church and state are separate and you pastors aren't supposed to talk about those things, right? Um, it depends on how you understand separation of church and state. So separation of church and state initially was so that the state couldn't decide how people would worship. It was, yeah. it was never understood as lay down your religious moral frame when you come to the political situation. That doesn't even make sense. Okay? And, and then the, the other question is whether or not you can do that. Okay? So if, if your moral frame is informed by atheism and humanism, you can't lay it down when you go to vote. You can't lay it down when you come to the political process. If your moral frame is Christianity and the Bible, mm -hmm. you can't lay that down. That will inform what you think is right, what you think should be legal, what you think should be illegal, and it should. Yeah, that's but that's why saying, we have political processes to. But you can't talk about engage. that stuff as a pastor, though. That's because your tax exempt status and stuff. You can't say political things from the pulpit or you're violating law. I mean, if you got over a hundred million dollars worth of jewelry on our DD tax exemption, maybe you should be thinking about tax write-offs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know. But, uh, but what I what I will say is I mean how many times does this have to happen to our communities before we start to think like wait a minute. How are you gonna say here's here's a real question. How are you gonna say, you know we need to defund the police because racism is rampant and the majority of police policing throughout the nation. So that's what that's what the the left would say. Alt left. Defund the police because it's racism rampant. Okay. So in the case that I am threatened, mm -hmm. who do I call? If I'm a person of color, <laughs> being Wait, threatened. So, so, what is your understanding? What is your understanding? Because I, you, what is your understanding of what defund the police in the way that you've it's been presented? What does that mean? I I think depend depending on it can mean a range of things. Um, I think as far as I've understood it, it at the very least means thinking about the way that funds are being used in police departments to ensure okay. that those funds are being used properly and for the right things. Okay. So th that's what, even though it's defund the police, one could challenge whether or not they, they mean just move the funds in different places. Right. So maybe less funds on uh, armament, more funds on, uh, police understanding how to work with people who are disabled or psychotic. Okay, so depending on what groups you're you're working with would depend on um, how people think about that. The issue, though, is again, I'm all I'm all for that. Okay, maybe there needs to be less policing because you know racism is just ingrained in policing in the United States. Cool. That still doesn't answer my question, though. Who do I call when I need help because I'm vulnerable and I'm being victimized by a criminal? Who do so, I call if I can't call the police? Hold on. If I do call the police, what happens in the time between I call them and they show up? 
What if I have a smart criminal that just cuts the phone lines? Or what if I have a, a even smarter criminal that recognizes that you can block signals? You don't think that someone will invest in a signal blocker for five minutes to get over a hundred, over a million dollars? You don't think so? Well, obviously they didn't because it was live stream, so they didn't block. The- and obviously, obviously they didn't. <laughs> but I'm saying, my my point is, even with live stream, yeah, even with it being live stream, no one's arrested yet. So even with quote unquote witnesses seeing the perpetrators change clothes, no one's arrested yet. Even if they were arrested, you can't unsee your spiritual leader being robbed in the pulpit. Okay, so in in the alternative, because you and I have had this conversation, your deacons would have been armed. Why not? Such- that they would not have come there for that purpose because if they were watching and casing, they would have known, or they would have uh, had a had a, a surprise waiting on them when they came in with guns. Well, the gun being armed and it being known that you're armed is itself a deterrent. A deterrent. Police officers aren't being robbed. Okay, so that. That is in itself a deterrent. But also anyone who is trying to rob a place that is already armed, mm-hmm. you know that these they are really after something. And they don't care about this, this sort of altercation. So obviously in a church, I wouldn't say that, you know, you shoot first, ask question later. But if you're thinking about the process of having an armed deacon board or security or whatever the case may be, then you're also thinking about how vulnerable your church is to these sorts of attacks. What are the vulnerable points uh, in the case of some sort of attack? Is there a way for us to isolate the event to where no one else is harmed? Does the church know um, kind of what the procedure would be? Not necessarily the entire church body, but at least the leaders. Yeah. You know, yeah. At, at least, at least the leaders, what, what is the plan if this case happens? The other thing that I I definitely want to throw on the table is we serve uh, Christians follow a Lord that literally said there is no greater love than this, that a, a man laid down his life for his friend. Did he not say that? That's in the word. That's that's who you're following. We, we exist in a tradition where literally there... There are historical evidences that Christians sang hymns to the slaughter, to being slaughtered by the government. Okay, so, I mean, we can deny those elements of history, but they're there. We Preachers preach sacrifice. And by no means would any pastor, bishop, whatever you call yourself, think that they would need to lay their life down. No one chooses that. But in the case that it happens, you should be willing. I'm, I'm just going to leave that out there. I'm just going to leave that out there. If, if you're not and, and not willing, I'm not you know telling people to throw themselves in front of a bullet, but you're not even willing to 
No one saw mass men even approach. What would it look like if the ushers in the front of the church, there were just people in the front of the church sitting there. That was his job is to sit there. They would have saw people coming. Somebody sitting in the front looking back? No, sitting at the front door. When people come in, greeters is what what they what we call them, or greeters or ushers. But they what said if there they... were just people there, and that was their job? That was their service to the Lord was to ensure to be on lookout. The thing is, we don't think we don't think that these things are important, and I think that we don't think these things are important for a number of reasons. But there are vulnerable people inside, kids. The most vulnerable children being held by their mothers inside. And we live in a progressively violent world. That's a fact. So because you're not in one of the best communities, or one of the most protected communities, you don't think that this... I mean, how you, we already both know that there's people that like to stand outside of church anyway. They there, and they like to socialize, but... Once the sermon comes, it's time for a bathroom break. <laughs> Listen, you have them at church. Put them to work. Be like, yo, just sit out there and greet people. You sit out there and make, play on your phone. You can hear the speaker. You know, that's what you like to do anyway. You like to socialize. Just as you're sitting out there, you know, keep so a lookout. That, that, requires, that requires a reframe of the roles of leaders and what the church is. And I don't think I don't think a lot of churches are at that place to where we would honestly evaluate the reality of our progressively violent world and where there are less and less um, sacred spaces. Um, I remember after the event in Charleston, Dylan Roof, when he shot up the church, the there was a meeting that we had at the church with the leaders and the ushers. And there was the, an emergency evacuation plan or this thing, but I don't know if over time that that sort of kind of went away. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I don't think people believe that this can happen. I also don't know that we perceive the vulnerable people coming in as being vulnerable to things inside once they get inside. Yes, outside in the world, you're vulnerable because you live in a certain place. You uh, may lack uh, certain resources, those things. Once you're inside, it seems like this is a safe place. And I think that's how at least many of the many of the churches that I've been in and a part of that, that seems to be the way that we operate. And, and you're you're you're. What, it's, what it seems like, and I, I think it's valid, is that we have to rethink how we protect those who we invite in. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we've, we've had to, I mean, the church has had to rethink. Uh, the funny thing is, with all of the conversation in the church about the demonic, dark forces, evil, things like this, you know, these large kind of conversations that we try to have quickly and ignorantly. 
right? With all of these conversations, principalities, powers, you know, these words that a, a good a majority of people don't even know. We have these conversations and then we, I don't know, shut our brains off. We shut our brains off to the fact that as a forgiving, life-giving community, we are vulnerable, right? And I, I do think that parishioners should be afforded the opportunity to do that in, in moments of worship, to be vulnerable, to be seen, and to see others, to worship God and, and all of their mess, and to progress in the faith. But what's the role of the pastor, right? What are the role of the leaders, okay? We talk about this shepherding, but sh shepherding sheep was a real work. And it wasn't just abstract. It wasn't just philosophical. It was actually hard labor. It was l laborious to, I don't know, fight off a wolf. Right, so that, that's the analogy, and that's not to say that that's something that you're going to be fighting real wolves, but a false teacher as wolf in sheep's clothing can and has wreaked havoc on congregations. Yeah, You're talking about another motif in the church is, you know, can you trust your kids to be in the church without being preyed on? Well, you know why that's a question? Because we foster a trust as a community to where you shouldn't have to be concerned about your kids. And that trust that we're asking people to give us and that we're trying to build needs to be protected. People need to say, hey, listen, okay, if we want to maintain, maintain this sort of trust, this sort of progression in community and in the, and the things of God and in the truths of the gospel, those things need to be protected. We need to protect our vulnerable. And we need to be willing to do that as as far as we can actually go. But if we can't, if we if we're not even conceiving of that, you know, um if if in his pastoral role he's more concerned about the gun being pointed on his child instead of a child. Right? Should a gun be pointed on any child in the congregation? No. Now, emotionally, are you going to feel um, different if it's your child or if it's someone else's child? Absolutely. You're human. Structurally, you should be protecting the children of your church like you would your child. So you know that the church is a vulnerable space. And that criminals and wolves tend to try to pick off sheep. So you put things like background checks over the people that look after your kids. Okay? Or you vet them and you interview them and you do, you do checks and you do trainings and you do sorts of things to show that similarly, if you're in a community that has heightened violence... Potentially, you should be thinking about ways of protecting your flock around this issue. Now, I mean, with smaller churches, there's always going to be the question of resource. Right. But that question of resource becomes exasperated when 
not only is it going to take me months to even get a concealed carry, not only is it going to take me months to even try to train whoever is willing to uh, protect the flock in this sort of way, it's also going to take an arm and a leg for me to just get police presence here. So even if it's not me, now it's going to take an arm and a leg to get police presence here. And if I do get police presence, I have to be afraid if they're going to criminalize the people that are walking through the door. Yeah. So this guy, this guy, Bishop, shouldn't have problems because he's friend with the, friends with the mayor. He should be able to get police presence now. Or he should. Could have been able to get it. He got $100 million worth of jewelry on. I mean, private security. Potentially. But he's not the only one that doesn't think about that doesn't think yeah. about their flock in this way. Yeah. Uh, but we we've um kind of spent a lot of time and the majority of time kind of talking more generally. Let's talk about the man of the hour though. <laughs> okay, let's and we 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 had to speak a little bit about it just because of all of the stuff that comes out. Listen, brother. I don't I'm not sure that you would be watching this. But if somebody on your team watches this, no. My heart really goes out to you having to explain to your wife in your congregation about being robbed in the middle of worship service. My heart does go out to that. That is traumatic. Um, um I'm gonna wish well on you and think the best that you're actually telling the truth. All of that aside, now, now I, I want to make sure that that is said and that is felt. That's real. Your behavior toward Larry Reed, mm. I'm going to say names, and to whatever woman that was talking with you, was regardless Jason. of what they said, it's unbecoming of a bishop. A preacher, a pastor, regardless of what has happened, regardless of the traumas that you experience. Yes, and I will say that you believe that you're called. You decided to step into this call. And there's certain there's a certain level of responsibility that you have to your call. But am, am I am I wrong, bro? Uh, you no. saw the video. Yeah. Am I wrong? I, I no, you are not wrong. Um, I traumatic experience definitely, but um, watching that interaction and just hearing the way that he attacked and name called, um, it it and it it it's now now okay. To be fair, apparently he saw something on their live where he said that they were laughing at him. Mm -hmm. Even still, as someone who is representing Christ in the role of bishop, yep, their their that behavior was unbecoming. And as I was reading some of the comments that people were putting in, it's like. This is the church. This is a man of God. This is it. It. You said that you were a man of God. 
Ain't yeah. nobody forced you to say that. That's what you said. You yeah. said you were a man of God. Whoever endorsed you and gave you the right right hand of fellowship said that you were a bishop or apostle or whatever it is that you're calling yourself. Do you got the clip? We gotta we gotta play a, at least a little bit of this clip because this is this is just it's outrageous. Yeah, and I, I this look- is coming from someone who listen. I I don't have political niceness. Is not something <laughs> that being a PC is not something I care about. That's not something I care about at all. If you were spewing facts and you were speaking them in a harsh and direct way, I wouldn't have nothing to say. If you were calling out things that you had convictions against, and that's it. But I mean, the vulgarity, you're using insults, sir, without facts. You're, you, you literally started a name for the woman that was online calling her Biggie Biggs or something, whatever you said. Piggy. Pig, Piggy like he you, called her fat and then said Piggy. You you said you're fat and ugly. If you're gonna laugh at my laugh at my situation, you're fat and ugly. You don't give vindication for that. You don't. Oh, you pulled it up. Let's let's get let the people see just a little bit of of, of this, and we're gonna make some commentary on this video because this is just outrageous. Got the same color color name. I didn't even know. I started you. talking about I a just car. Met you. So why would I purchase? Why would I purchase a truck like you have? I, I don't understand. Like my, my, I don't understand. And then, young lady, I don't know you. But when you sit here talking about I have thumbtacks on the wall, no, those, no, those are backdrops. Those, those are step and repeats. Okay. And let me tell, and let me tell you, let me tell you, we, I purchased a church. I own a church. I own a whole this block. And that's a temporary church right now. I own the whole block. Okay. So, so at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you guys are coming at me. And after what my what my church just went through, and y'all sitting here laughing and making a mockery of it, and you want to talk about hold on, hold on, hold on. You want to sit here and talk about cloudy diamonds? Nobody talking about your diamonds, brother. If you feel that your diamonds is better than bro, mine, so be it. So, so be it. So be it. Okay, no problem, no problem. <laughs> then you want to then you want to talk. Hold to on, pause it for about, a second, man. So just so the people know, a Cullinan truck. The base sticker price is $341,000. What? $300,000? Base. That's what you said, right? That is insane. The base model. That's the base model, though. That's not... No That's option. not adding any bells and whistles. The base, the base model truck is $341,000. Okay. That's the truck that they're talking about. That I'm going to fast forward some. And that's something that Ford gunmen could have took my family life. And y'all sitting here making a mockery of it, all right? We are and not. Big blip right here. Want to sit here and talk about women, all right? And you want to sit here and you want to sit here and validate homosexuality because you just admitted that you're a faggot, all right? Wow. That's on. Okay. I didn't I tell y'all. <laughs> Did not oh, yeah, tell everybody. 
That's right. That's right. That's everybody knows the spirit that you operate. No, 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 no. Everybody understands the response. Everybody knows understands the response. All right. Understand the response. I agree with you with nothing but respect. The spirit of religion. The spirit of a liar. But 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 listen to what he said. Listen to what he said. He literally said, okay, he said, um, you manifested. He called he called yeah. the woman a blip. He he literally used vulgarity to speak to Larry Reed, right? And his whole thing was, I gave you respect. Mm-hmm. As if me giving you respect. Somehow, in that respect I gave you, I, di- I didn't actually have a good wishing of you. I had these thoughts of who you were in my head. I gave you a, a sort of false way of viewing you. Come on, man. If you this... resp- The opposite of respect is not uh, insult. Mm. I either respect you or don't. Okay? It doesn't... It doesn't follow that if I don't respect you, I must disrespect you. I must I'll take it further from this, but insult you. Mm-hmm. And it goes on he says some wild things to Larry Reed. Yeah, you was disrespectful. Yeah, you was disrespectful. But you got the right one, brother. You cannot take jokes. You cannot take jokes. You don't joke when they make my family lie down. All right. Right. You, don't you, you don't joke. You don't joke. You don't put a gun to my daughter's face. You don't joke. You don't joke. You don't joke. You cross the line. You cross the line. Okay. You cross the line. Okay. That's what you did. You cross the line. You cross the line. All right. That anger. It's um, is insane. That is it justified? Um. So so. When he's saying these things like you crossed the line, when he's saying these things like you got the right one, for better or for worse, I'm not necessarily opposed to those things. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. If you if you're disrespecting my family and you're you're trying to make a light of a traumatic situation, um in private, I might say something like that to you. I might say like, "Yo, that wasn't okay. You crossed the line." Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I think that that's reasonable. I think that's a response to understand. His energy towards that young lady. He literally said that she fat and ugly earlier, in the clip. You, we got the clip where she where he called her a blip. I don't even know what that means, but he called her early that he called her fat and ugly. He said that Larry was ugly. For what? Oh, piggy. Yeah. So so all of this, what what he's doing that didn't he later say that you know Larry Reed you're not tough for what what is the what is the energy that you're bringing to this to the situation for what is it intended to do and when we think about what it's intended to do you're on live you're not about to do nothing sir you're not about to get into a real altercation stop you're. These phrases are directed to hurt, to insult. That's what you're doing it for. At this point, your family is not in a threat. 
you're angry, rightly so. I think many people will be angry. I would say be angry and sin not. It's no need for you to call this lady out of her name. It's no need for you to 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 try to hit at her vulnerabilities because that's what it is. And she will go on to say that it's a vulnerability. And it's people like you that make this lady think that she needs to have a surgery and makes her believe in and of herself. And I would say falsely, that, that she's doing that for herself. She's surgically mutilating her body for herself. It's, it's the ways in which you have spoken to her online that, that make her think that way. Now I'm going to change my lifestyle so I can be more healthy. To, to where what I'm actually putting in my body helps for my body to grow and helps for my body to operate the way that it's supposed to operate. Not I'm going to see as far as my muscle frame what my weight should be and, and move towards that and, and uh, receive life from the sort of discipline and the activities it would take for me to get there. No, the same superficial i'm going to mutilate my body so that i can do this for me so so this that's the sort of hurt that these phrases and this way of thinking causes you thought that whether you were disrespected or not you just said it because you were disrespected you thought that about larry reeve when you met him you just yeah. said it because you felt disrespected you thought that about her when you saw her you just said it because she wanted to use her voice to critique what you had going on, and you didn't like that. These things, I'm sorry, I have to agree with them, are evidences of sorts of abuse that are not becoming of a spiritual leader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's look one more. We'll go closer towards the end, because this, this kept on for a while. For a while. And, and it wasn't a conversation because he, he wasn't letting them say anything. He, he was talking over them. Um, and I, I just, I wonder how others in his care. That you took nuts in your mouth. That's what you quoted. Mm. You quoted that. You that quoted was because I was a molested nigga. No, 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 now, you listen, upset. I love. Oh, I'm not. I am upset because you I'm are. Violent. And so you're violent. not even thinking. You because can't even hear it. You're, you're violating. So you're not thinking. You're violated. He's violated. He's violated. And but this, go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say in the comments, people were just like, Lord, like, what is this? What am I watching? Yeah. It, it's just. That's how, honestly, that's how I was thinking. I'm I'm watching this. I'm like, what is going? Is this is this staged? Is you know you would hope you a would lot hope, of views. You would hope that that was like some kind of hey, let's do this for the 
But yeah. no, this dude was legitimately angry talking about you got nuts in your mouth. Like, what kind of religion? What? I'm like, yo. But see, the thing is, I was listening. I was trying to hear because he was talking so much. I'm trying to hear what what uh, Larry Reed was saying. And one of the things he said, he said, "You you so mad, you don't even know what you're doing." Mm-hmm. And I thought that was that, in my opinion, was a sign of wisdom. Larry Reed is known for his followers to say crazy things, but he's not gonna go that far. He's mm-hmm. known for creating for for making jokes. And for kind of pulling out some of the the laughable elements of the traditions and the things that people do in church. But bro, you a bishop. And that's what you're known for, preaching. Now Larry Reed does preach, but the Larry Reed show is a comedy. That's what it's for. It's to make you laugh, it's to make you feel good, it's to make you think a little bit. But you on here really insulting bro and for you not even to budge when he says that's because I was molested you didn't that didn't even stop you like oh yeah I'm gonna have to answer for this late I mean you you went regardless of your your beliefs on the situation regardless of your beliefs on homosexuality okay Faggot is a vulgar, is a vulgar term. It is. You can't you yeah. can't take that away. You did, regardless of what your beliefs was, you did not have to use that term. You could have stuck with the detestable abomination terms that you were using before. You use that term to injure him, mm-hmm. just like you use a fat term to injure her. And that was that's what you were trying to do. And by all means, listen, I think humans say things that they don't think about. I think that it is when Larry Reed said that, like you're saying, you're so mad, you don't even know what you're saying. I think that was a that was expression of wisdom that I was hoping would have woke the brother up to say, I'm going too far. I need to stop. So my thing is, my thing is not... Did he go far in a lot of places? Yeah, but you weren't even able to hear when your your what who you thought was your enemy was trying to help you to tell you to stop. Yeah, and you're like, I don't care if you post it and da da da, da. and it don't make you look tough. You you saying that you know he likes this or that he's not tough and you got the right one. You see, you're hurting because you didn't, you weren't able to protect your family at that moment. You weren't, and I, I understand that. Any, I, I think that anyone who has a family will feel that same way, you know. And you're probably gonna need to speak to someone because of that. Um, the other people had guns. There was no way for you to stop that from happening. It was too late. By the time they come in. With guns, you're vulnerable. There's nothing that you can do. With all that said, all of the fear, all of the stuff that goes around that, that's not an excuse for you as a spiritual leader to now use the same tongue that you use to give life, to preach people back to life, at least by your estimation, by what you're saying, to now hurt other people. But there's another another point, and 
I was trying to remember. I think it's at the end of the clip. I can't remember where it's at. But he says something along the lines of, the only thing that matters is my ministry. And I wanted to get your, oh. your thoughts on that before we left. Yeah. That the only thing that matters is my, my ministry, ministry. Is what he said. My yeah. ministry. My yeah. ministry. And somebody even said. in the comments, somebody even in the comments on the feed actually said, my ministry, not God's ministry. Um, so oh, he it, said the only thing that matters is my ministry. Mm -hmm. It's, um, so if we go back to what Larry, uh, what Larry Reed was saying, that he doesn't even know, he's not thinking straight, he doesn't know what he's saying. Um, it, that could be his fallback. But that, to me, not knowing anything about it, just kind of coming on this the last couple of days, that's probably the mentality. The yeah. The mindset yeah. that is oh, deep-seated within him. Because even in the articles when the um, – the news reporters were saying that he lives a flashy lifestyle. He was saying it's not flashy, but it's my it's my prerogative. If I, if I want to buy these things, I can buy these things. Mm. And so I I I can get I can see that my ministry is the most important thing. And if you critique that, you become enemy. And I attack. Wow. Yep. I, I can see that. Um, that's, so so you think that that's something that is basically his philosophy of ministry this this kind of me 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 my 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 sort of situation say again you think that's his philosophy of ministry i think i think underneath yeah i think we all have core operating um beliefs whether we articulate them or not whether they surface or not. And I, I do believe that the Rolls Royces, the million dollars in jewelry, um, this, this showmanship is mm. about that. Um, so this is, in the, in the clip, he told him, I, I own blocks. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is Show about voting. me. This is yeah. what I do, what I'm giving. And, and, I fear, no, not, not fear. I'm concerned because that gives further credence to what people believe about the church. Yeah, it does. And that's not necessarily the case, but it fuels those comments like the ones that my brother said, don't be like those people. Yeah. When I think most pastors or pastoral leaders are not those people, but they have to bear that brunt because of what is seen and how yeah. people operate. <sighs> I'm trying to find this clip. Well, I mean, the the, the sad thing is is I, I hope that, I really hope that this brother gets some help. I hope that I've I've been thus far, in spite of you know, despite of some of the questions that I have, um. I've been trying to understand it as real as something that, you know, it's, this this video clip actually suggests that, you know, it might be it it is real. Mm -hmm. You know, he he seems to be pretty sincere in his views, but there's some there's some hints of some faulty theology there. 
this as long as God's got me sort of thing. Um, it's not okay for you to, uh, to verbally attack people like that, brother. It's just not. And then I get why it happened. A reason is not an excuse, though. It doesn't excuse your behavior. So because I understand the reason doesn't excuse it. And so I just want to tell you, and, you know, those who think like you, you can, I didn't even look at what you preached. I didn't, I Mm -hmm. intentionally didn't try to find your sermon online or nothing like that. I don't know what you preach. I don't know what your doctrines are. I don't know anything about you as far as your theological or Christian beliefs. What I would say, though, is 1 Corinthians 9, 27 is still true. Discipline your body lest you preach to others and yourself be disqualified. So you can be preaching the, the right gospel. You can, you can be preaching word for word, manna from heaven. And, you, and so many people can be saved underneath your ministry. And so many people can be uh, blessed by the gift that God has given you and the words that God is speaking through you. And you still can be disqualified. I got scripture for you. Matthew 12, 33 to 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak of good things? Hmm. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bring forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures bring forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified and oh, by your words man. you will be condemned. Oh, man. See, you see what happens when you go to the text? Every I mean, idle word, every blip, every faggot, every fat ugly that you use just in that 18 minute clip you're gonna have to give an account for that and reasons friend are not excuses yeah. you're not justified by reasons so because you was mad <laughs> that doesn't give you a reason i mean that, give, that doesn't give you an excuse a re- we understand why that's a reason but it doesn't excuse your behavior you're not justified uh right. because of that reason that you gave so Wow, um, so this was a long one, but I think we <laughs> I think we we touched on some some needed topics. Definitely, it, it's it's the body of Christ. It's the reality that we live in, and we can't as as leaders can't have blinders on and allow the flock to be vulnerable. Yeah, and we also have to be mindful of the things, the seeds that are growing within us, because if those things aren't in us, they can't come out. Yeah. So so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and this this bishop um, in a traumatic space should probably uh, seek to get some spiritual covering, some spiritual yeah. uh, guidance. Yeah, because and this is cliche, but hurt people hurt people. Right. Yeah. You can't be a pastor and bleeding all over the folk. I think that was Cleo LaRue that, uh, that said it a lot of times. So. Um, we're going to pray that he gets help and that our church leaders take the safety of their flock seriously. Yeah, um, yeah. 
because they're called to do that. So this was a nice bonus episode. <laughs> but we appreciate you. Um, like, share, subscribe, comment. Talk to us on this thing. And um, please we'll do continue to bring you engaging and dynamic content. Please do. Friends, get deliverance for the demons, but get therapy for the damage. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, I like that. I like that. I saw that from a meme that I saw earlier today. But it's good. And I think that it's right. All right, y'all. Till next time. Peace out, y'all. Peace.